this is Amy Kathleen, and you're listening to a bonus episode of Collective Light Podcast. We've had a slight pivot in our plans for the launch of this podcast. We have some big issues happening in our country right now, and because I've been given this platform, I felt like it was a good opportunity to have a couple of conversations. The one right now you're about to listen to is with one of my best friends, Mandy, which you just met in the first episode that we had. She has a very interesting story that has a very unique twist at the end that I think shows the good that can come from a very scary situation. And then I hope you'll stay tuned for the episode following with my friend Kirsty, who just helps me and hope helps you too wrap our heads around on how we're supposed to move forward through all of this. I hope you enjoy these episodes and I hope that you'll be a part of the continued conversation at the Collective Light community page on Facebook. Okay, Mandy, you are back already again. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to speak again. Well, it's just you, um, a thing occurred to me this week. I honestly thought about not canceling the launch of the podcast, but moving it to a time that might be better. But then just like with everything happening with COVID, I feel like everything that's happened with George Floyd and the conversations that being brought up, it's not going away. And I, I'm okay with that. I like the fact that the discussion is still going. And I felt like I don't want to move forward. And not that we don't have important things that we're going to talk about on the podcast, but there are some things that you just can't ignore. And I feel like the timing of the launch can actually be a very good thing. And we do have an interview coming up with a great friend of mine. And I just thought it might be a great way to preface that interview with a really just shocking story that you've had that ended up turning into being something pretty impressive. And I'm really thankful that you're willing to share the story because I know it's not easy. It's not easy to relive, but you know, you have processed through and been able to move through this where it's actually turned into something just so positive. So thank you again. No problem. Um, Well, I'm just going to dive right in. So probably in 2007, Mm -hmm. um, I was doing a pharmacy residency and living with a couple of girl roommates. And one night I had an eerie feeling after I'd gone to bed and um, kind of opened my eyes and thought I saw something run across my kitchen, but I'm a young female and that's the kind of nightmares that we convince ourselves all the time. So I mm-hmm. told myself like, you're crazy, lay back down. And so I did. And then I got another feeling five, about five minutes later and I opened my eyes again and I felt somebody standing over me. So, um, I have taken self-defense classes and I knew like, don't act scared. So I happened to have my cell phone and all I could think to do was shine the light on my cell phone, like click a button and sit up and, and say something stern. And that's exactly what I did. I'm going to repeat the language I said, so forgive me. It's, <laughs> it's not bad, but I sat up and I said, what the hell? And, um, it, it was enough to, um, startle the the intruder and um the man ran from my house um about six months later uh, well let me it was it was traumatic for me my roommates did not get up so I had to call the police I had a um, physical reaction like I had the shakes I was so scared my roommates somehow didn't wake up but I thought they were hurt or even worse and so my brain went to the worst place and um but the police told me, you know, lock yourself in the room. We'll be on our way. Uh, and so I did wait for them. Turns out my roommates were fine. They slept through the whole thing. Um, and six months later, 
we retrospectively caught um, the gentleman that had broken into my house. He was a 17-year-old black man. Um, and because of that night, I had a fear of black men. Um, and that was, it's shameful for me to say, but I really did have a fear of black men and, um, and I didn't want to talk about it. I would have a physical response when I walked past a young black man. Um, I was just got a little weak in the knees. Um, I always considered myself to be a stronger, brave person, but internally I would kind of just be so fearful and i I didn't want to tell anybody about it. So um, I prayed about it and I prayed a lot about it. And um, man, I prayed about it for 10 years. And in 2017, so I just jumped 10 years and I'm still not really bringing it up a lot, but um, my husband comes home from a global leadership, um, what is it, GLS, Global Leadership Summit Conference. And he tells me that he has this crazy thought during the conference and he was like, Mandy, I don't, I don't know why I have this thought. And he's, I'm the dreamer in the house. He's not the dreamer. And so when this came out, I was like, Oh, this is huge. And he says, I think I'm supposed to be involved in racial reconciliation somehow, somehow big in Shreveport or in our country. And the first place my brain went to was, Oh, great. I have a fear of black men and we're about to get in racial reconciliation. This is just priceless. So um, again, it brought forth the shame that I had because I love people in general and I hated that I had a fear of black men. So I started praying again and this time I was praying hard and praying often and everything that I turned to was about fear. The music, the songs that were on the radio were about fear. My Sunday school lessons were about fear. When I was reading my Bible, it was about fear. When I was doing devotions, it was about fear. And it was so obvious to me that I was being helped along in this battle with fear of black men. And um, hold on one second. Let me stop you there for a second. So all these okay. things that you're coming about and they're, they're talking about fear. Did you feel like it was almost like an, an enabling you like, okay, I'm, 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 validated in the way that I feel and I have this fear or do you feel like it was more of something going there's a way to work through the fear what side of it was totally working through the fear like everything was um there's do not fear like I just knew I was not supposed this is we are not supposed to fear we are not supposed to be motivated by fear we're supposed to be motivated by love and I've known that and so this is something and all the messages around me were basically saying like do not give in to fear just get past this fear and you can. And um, there's a couple of, couple of instances where um, I, I realized, oh my goodness, this is gone. I'm really, now, but let me, before I go any further, let me tell you, like, I have black friends. I love everybody. And probably some of my, my friends at work or friend, my just friends in general would be shocked. I don't go around telling this story and I don't go around telling people that I have a that I had a deep-seated fear of black men because of an intrusion. I mean, I didn't even know this. I mean, this is, this is something that it wasn't until the past probably two years that I knew the gravity of it. I knew about the instance. I knew that it happened. I knew how terrifying it was. But it was one of those things that I didn't, honestly, I, I hate to say this as a friend, but like, I didn't think about it because you didn't talk about it. And so I, I, I don't want to say it was a non-issue, but it was just something like, wow, that was a hard situation she got over. So I didn't even realize 
the depth in which you were dealing with it. Right. And I, I mean, once again, I, it's, it was shameful for me. I couldn't believe and that, and I should have reached out to people and it could have been real and I could have gotten it through it a lot quicker than 10 years if I would have really faced it. Um, but I didn't. And so it, it just, it was time when my husband came home and told me that he wanted to be involved in race, racial reconciliation. I realized like, okay, I can't put this on the back burner any longer. So there was one other moment. I had my children. I was going to a, um, to meet a babysitter. I was going to run an errand. She said, let's just meet in one of these playgrounds in the back of a, a neighborhood school. And I was drop it. I pulled off. I was going to let them play while I was waiting on the babysitter. And there was a car that pulled up right next to me. We were the only two cars in the parking lot. It was three young black men. Once again, I had that physical fear where I could not move. And I just wanted to get my kids back in the car. And it was just because there were three young black men in a car and I felt fearful. So I knew at that moment, now they got out with a basketball and I realized how silly are you? And so, um, it was at that moment I went home and I talked about it again to Aaron and I was like, I have got to get over this. And, and so I dove right into Bible study and devotion and, you know, and we talked through it and it really was just a series of working on myself. And one day I got in a wreck it was with a young black man. He had another young black man and they were very, very angry and yelling things at me. And I realized I stood up, I was talking to them. I felt terribly that they were so angry. And I, my husband, I called him and I was like, I think my car is totaled. You know, somebody hit me and he was like, are you okay? And I, I said, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> and he was like, are they, are they yelling at you? And I was like, Oh, they're just a little upset. But I realized in that moment, like, I am not scared. When did this happen? Right. And, and then another instance, I was at a red light and um, a black man was walking up to my window and I rolled my window down and I was like, sir, can I help you? And I thought to myself, like, I would not have done this last year. I would have been so fearful to have somebody walk up to my window. And so it was just those two minor, it sounds so minor now, but I knew that my fear had subsided um, enough. Well, it was, I think it's a healthy fear now. I mean, anybody that walks up to your window, <laughs> no matter the color of their skin, if it's you're probably a little bit... Um, you had to follow your gut reaction on, on some level, but the fact that you were so aware, and I just think it's, and I mean, I do remember hearing those stories of just, you know, once you saw that basketball and you were like, I'm at a playground, these kids are coming to play basketball and here I am. And that being the aha moment that kind of, made you realize it's time to change. But then, and I remember the the story of the, uh, of the wreck and I, and I don't, I mean, you did a great job telling it, but I think there was even more going on there that we've heard more in depth and it was really not a nice situation. It was an ugly situation. It would have been easily to be, again, no matter what color they'd been, it's just when someone has that much anger, um, and at the situation, no matter if it's directed at you or not, to be around that, that's really uncomfortable and I think would unsettle any woman. But the fact that you have recognized these and, and started finding those wins where you're like, oh, no, I'm actually good. And that's for actually not, I know Aaron, and it was, he was worried about and concerned for your life. But that to you, your response to him, like, no, I'm good. It was like a, wow, I had a win. Like, this is a win. This is a prayer. Right. And then I want you to go ahead and tell the story of, 
what ended up happening this past fall and into the, the Christmas time. And in that place, the conversations that you were able to have with this group and the conversations you had after that too. So my husband didn't want me start knocking around on people's doors. I don't know. And he said, Mandy, find a healthy, um, established outlet to reach out to people. And so I did, I uh, reached out to my local missions at my church and I got involved with the friendship houses through community renewal. I started that conversation and I also felt a tug in the local missions meeting that I needed to get involved in prison ministry. Um, and I mentioned it to some friends and it's not really for everybody, but I just felt pretty strong about it. So um, I made contact through our sheriff and um, my husband's business and friends of mine did a little Christmas um, program where we went in and provided Christmas gifts for the children of the prisoners. Through that experience, I was able to talk to these group, talk to this group of men. And I didn't even, I really didn't plan on speaking. I was going to get my husband to speak. I was going to get some friends to speak because I thought, you know, a guy, it would, it would mean more coming from a guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so it turned out schedule conflicts, um, with in the last minute ended up, I got the opportunity to speak. Um, and so two days before I was going to speak and I was super nervous. How was I going to connect with these men? How was I going to motivate them? I know my job is to encourage them and to give them hope, but what are the, what am I going to say to give them hope? And I didn't want to, I, I didn't think I was going to go in there and tell them, Hey guys, I used to be scared of black men, but, um, but two days before I ended up at a, at a meeting, it was a local missions meeting and, uh, um, a parole officer was there. And I was like, sir, if you got to speak to a room full of prisoners, what would be the message that you would give them? And he said, you know, when people get out, when people get back in the real world, they give it one shot or two shots. And if they don't succeed, then they lose hope. And he was like, so they just, they need the message to just keep going. Don't give it just one shot or two shots. Just keep pushing and keep going. They're going to eventually get it. And I was like, that's such a great message, not just for prisoners, for everybody, you know, like just keep going. And so I was like, I'm going to tell them that. And then I was getting out at Sam's the night before I spoke and somebody, another male walking up to my car and, um, and it was, it was this little white guy and he had a basket of bread and some flyers. And I remembered seeing him last year. That's what caught my eye. I'd seen him last year before Christmas at Academy across the street and I was like, well, hello. And um, he said, hey, and he's a, a recovering addict and he was trying to raise funds by selling bread to um, for his mission. So I donated to him and, and I asked him because in his story, he kind of tells me, you know, I was on meth. I got in prison and that's where I met Jesus and uh, turned my life around. And I was like, well, you know, if, if you got a chance to speak to a room full of prisoners, what would you tell him? And he said, um, I would tell him that people can do their best themselves in prison. He was, Paul, the apostle, wrote some of his best works while he was in prison. Um, and he gave another few examples, but he was like, don't wait till you get out. Start working on yourself now. And I was like, that's a really great message too. So I was equipped in just those two days before to deliver a short little message. 
So I did. I went, I stood in there and I told them those two things. And then I also said, you know, I didn't think, I thought that I would not be able to connect with you guys. And I was like, you know, 10 years ago and up until recently, I had a fear of black men and the majority of the room were black men. Um, I had a fear of black men. And so I would not have been able to come in here and, and talk to you. But I have prayed through and worked on that fear and gotten rid of all unnecessary fear. And you guys can do that too. And so when you get out of here, make sure that you are not motivated by fear. Normally hate or anger baseline of that is fear. Like we're scared of each other. And so we lash out. And so I just encouraged them, like, make sure your motivation is love and not fear. And I felt so good about that. And that has really led me to um, the root of encouraging most people is make sure whatever you're doing out there, whatever kind of change that you want to bring about, make sure your motivator is love and encouragement. If it's anger and hate, it's not going to work. But if it's love and encouragement, it's going to work. You just got to keep pushing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Okay. You have to sum it up because one of those men came and talked to you after you spoke. And he had a few words, and it was interesting, the dialogue the two of you had between each other. Yes, that is, he did. He was like, he was like, look, you, you have to have a little bit of fear. You can't just go around being fearless. You know, there, there are bad things out there. You got to follow your instincts. And, but he, he was like, but we so appreciate you coming and giving this message. And you guys, that whole class... That whole reentry program all wrote me a Christmas card and thank you notes, and I have them still. It, wow. Aaron and I just sit there and read through them, and just the the words of encouragement that they wrote back to me, and the appreciation that they had in their letters. I was so glad I stepped out. I was I was the one that was blessed. Their children may have gotten gifts, but I was the one that was blessed. Mandy, that is such a sweet story. And just, um, I really appreciate you sharing it and being bold enough because I can, I can see where there, you know, where there was shame where you didn't want to talk about it and you're like, I shouldn't feel these things. But the fact that you've been so open about it and, uh, and realizing that, you know, you have such a good heart. I mean, I really don't know that you ever not loved anyone, you know? So it's just, I really appreciate you taking the time to share this story. I think it's a great kind of a spark to a a new conversation that I'm going to have with my friend that's going to be on next. And there is some dialogue there. There's some hard conversations to be had, but just because they're hard doesn't mean we can shy away from them. And so um, I think there's just, there's a lot of good that can come from this. And I think you're absolutely right that if everything we're doing is coming from love and encouragement and we're squashing that, that fear and those other things that are seated in fear, you know, then there is a lot of hope out there. Right. Yep. I mean, at the baseline, if you are trying to change the world for a better and it comes from a place of love, it's going to work. And, and we need that. This world needs everybody to step out in love and we do need to cross barriers and learn about things that we don't know about because unfamiliarity does breed fear. So educate yourself, love your neighbor And I really think some good is going to come out of this really, really tough situation. I think so. I wish that we could say it was going to happen quickly. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but uh, just as long as we're moving forward is a good thing. Look, thank you again. I appreciate you so much. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. 